What's better than Anchor's podcast creation tools? Nothing. Mankind has always searched for evidence of God's perfection, and we found it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use straight from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the lesser of the podcast platforms like Stitcher. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've made $5, and I've been doing this for three months. So, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Before I start the show, I feel like there should be a warning. I'm reading public domain books and short stories and whatever else. Uh, Some of it may be offensive. I don't read these things before, so I don't review it, so it's kind of just by chance. So if anything in here is offensive, or most likely with these really old books, uh, bigoted, uh, don't hold me responsible. I'll be just as surprised as you are. And with that, enjoy this episode of Leaves of Glen. I am Glenn Nuzzles. Look, I have a life. I have work. I have a girlfriend. I have kids. I have a house that's falling apart around me that I need to take care of. So I'm trying to record as many episodes in one day as possible to spread it out through the week. Uh, Trying to get through this long form book of Dorian Gray. So there's not much of an intro here. Not much to say. Uh, Just that... Uh, I'm going to read this next chapter with no breaks or anything and just going to go for it. Heck, I might even do another chapter. I'm feeling like a champion today, like a long-distance runner. But uh, what did we learn in the last chapter that I just recorded two minutes ago? Uh, that Dorian's girlfriend, Sybil, she's, uh, she's just in love with Dorian. Can't stop talking about him. And won't even shut up about it to her own mom. And her mom, who apparently also was an actress and also was involved in a mysterious man who uh, was involved with other women or married and then died, uh, so she had to raise them all herself. She, uh, she loves the idea. She loves the idea that he might be rich. They don't know anything about him. I don't even think they know his name. Uh, Sybil just keeps calling him Prince Charming. Uh, the brother's not impressed. The brother really wants uh, this guy to go away because he already thinks he's a player. Uh, like every chapter in this book, the brother says, let's go take a walk. Because that's all people did back then, is just walk around and chat. And, uh, they actually sit down and they see Dorian in a handsome cab with two women. So he's already taken that whole hedonistic lifestyle to the, to the max. And, uh, the brother gets fussed. Says, if that man ever hurts you, I will kill him. And everyone giggles and laughs, and they kind of love the drama. He goes back home. And tells his mother, uh, did you know, Dad? And she says, yeah. And he says, uh, you get to watch over my sister because this guy seems weird. And the mom says, yeah. And then he says, if he's mean to her, I'll kill him. And the mom just giggles and she loves it. So that's weird. Uh, but also setting up that the mom's going to fail. The mom says, I've never had a mother. So Sybil's got one. So she'll be fine. 
Uh, and that already shows that something horrible is going to happen. So let's get into chapter six of uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Chapter six. I suppose you've heard the news, Basil, said Lord Henry that evening, as Hallward was shown into the little private room at the Bristol, where dinner had been laid for three. No, Harry, answered the artist, giving his hat and coat to the bowing waiter. What is it? Nothing about politics, I hope. Uh, They don't interest me. There is hardly a single person in the House of Commons worth painting, though many of them would be better for a little whitewashing. (laughs) "'Dorian Gray is engaged to be married,' said Lord Henry, watching him as he spoke. Howard started and frowned. "'Dorian engaged to be married?' he cried. "'Impossible.' "'It is perfectly true. To whom?' "'To some little actress or other. I can't believe it. Dorian is far too sensible.' "'Dorian is far too wise not to do foolish things now and then, my dear Basil. "'Marriage is hardly a thing that one can do now and then, Harry.' "'Except in America,' rejoined Lord Henry languidly. "'But I didn't say he was married. "'I said he was engaged to be married. "'There's a difference. "'I have a distinct remembrance of being married, "'but I have no recollection at all of being engaged. (laughs) "'I am inclined to think that I was never engaged. "'But to think of Dorian's birth and position and wealth, "'it would be absurd for him to marry so much beneath him. "'If you want to make him marry this girl, tell him that.' Basil, he is sure to do it then. Whenever a man does the thoroughly stupid thing, it is always from the noblest motives. I hope this girl is good, Harry. I don't want to see Dorian tied to some vile creature who might degrade his nature and ruin his intellect. Oh, she is better than good. She is beautiful, murmured Lord Henry, sipping a glass of vermouth and orange bitters. Dorian says he is beautiful. She is beautiful, and he is not often wrong about that kind of thing. Your portrait of him has quickened his appreciation of the personal appearance of other people. It has had that excellent effect amongst others. We are to see her tonight, if that boy doesn't forget his appointment. Are you serious? Quite serious, Basil. I should be miserable if I thought I should ever be more serious than I am at the present moment. But do you approve of it, Harry? asked the painter, walking up and down the room, biting his lip. You can't approve of it, possibly. It is some silly infatuation. I never approve or disapprove of anything now. It is an absurd attitude to take toward life. We are not sent into the world to air our moral prejudices. I never take any notice of what common people say, and I never interfere with what charming people do. If a personality fascinates me, whatever mode of expression that personality selects is absolutely delightful to me. Dorian Gray falls in love with a beautiful girl who acts... Juliet, and proposes to marry her. Why not? If he wedded Messalina, he would be nonetheless interesting. You know I am not a champion of marriage. The real drawback to marriage is that it makes one unselfish, and unselfish people are colorless. They lack individuality. Still, there are certain temperaments that marriage uh, makes more complex. They retain their egotism. And to many other egos, they are forced to have more than one life. They become more highly organized. And to be highly organized is, I should fancy, the object of man's existence. Besides, every experience is of value. And whatever one may say against marriage, it is certainly an experience. I hope that Dorian Gray will make this girl his wife. 
passionately adore her for six months and then suddenly become fascinated by somebody else. He would be a wonderful study. You don't mean to sing a word of all that, Harry. You know you don't. If Dorian Gray's life were spoiled, no one would be sorrier than yourself. You are much better than you pretend to be. Lord Henry laughed. <laughs> the reason we all like to think so well of others is that we are all afraid of ourselves. The basis of optimism is sheer terror. We think that we are generous because we credit our neighbor with the possession of those virtues that we are likely to be uh, benefit to us. We praise the banker that uh, we may overdraw our account and find good qualities in the highwayman in the hope that he may spare our pockets. I mean, everything that I have said, I have the greatest contempt for optimism. As for a spoiled life, no life is spoiled, but one whose growth is arrested. I'm kind of getting sick of Lord Harry's uh, long speeches about what he thinks of personalities and stuff. Not really adding to the story. If you want to bar a nature, I mean, it would add to it if it's like once, maybe twice, but this is like every time he's in the book. If you want to mar a nature, you have merely to reform it. As for marriage, of course, that would be silly. There are other and more interesting bonds between men and women. I will certainly encourage them. They have the charm of being fashionable. But here is Dorian himself. He will tell you more than I can. Ah, my dear Harry, my dear Basil, you must both congratulate me, said the lad, throwing off his evening cape with its satin-lined wings and shaking each of his friends in by hand in turn. I have never been so happy. Of course, it is sudden. All really delightful things are, and yet it seems to me to be the one thing I have been looking for all my life. He was flushed with excitement and pleasure, and looked extraordinarily handsome. I hope you will always be happy, Dorian, said Hallward. But I don't quite forgive you for not having let me know of your engagement. You let Harry know... I don't forgive you for being late for dinner, broke, Lord, broke in Lord Henry, putting his hand on the lad's shoulder and smiling as he spoke. Come, let us sit down and try what the new chef here is like, and then you will tell us how it all came about. There's really not much to tell, cried Dorian as he took their seats at the small round table. What happened was simply this. After I left you yesterday evening, Harry, I dressed. Had some dinner at that little Italian restaurant in Rupert Street you introduced me to, and went down at eight o'clock to the theater. Sybil was playing Rosalind. Of course, the scenery was dreadful, and the Orlando absurd. But Sybil, you should have seen her. When she came on in her boy's clothes, she was perfectly wonderful. She wore a moss-colored velvet jerkin with cinnamon sleeves, slim brown cross-garded hose, a dainty little green cap with a hawk's feather caught in a jewel, and a hooded cloak lined with dull red. She had never seemed to me more exquisite. She had all the delicate grace of that Tangera figurine that you have in your studio, Basil. Her hair clustered around her face like dark leaves around a pale rose. As for her acting, well, you shall see her tonight. She is simply a born artist. I sat in the dinghy box absolutely enthralled. I forgot that I was in London in the 19th century. I was away with my love in a forest that no man had ever seen. After the performance was over, I went behind and spoke to her. As we were sitting together, suddenly, there came into her eyes a look that I had never seen there before. <coughs> her lips, my lips, moved toward hers. 
We kissed each other. I can't describe to you what I felt in that moment. It seemed to me that all my life had been narrowed to one perfect point of rose-colored joy. She trembled all over and shook like a white narcissus. Then she flung herself on her knees and kissed my hands. That's weird. Never had that on a date. I feel that I should not tell you all this, but I can't help it. Of course, our engagement is a dread secret. She has not even told her own mother, and I don't know what my guardians will say. Lord Radley is sure to be furious. I don't care. I shall be of age in less than a year, and then I can do what I like. I have been right, Basil, haven't I, to take my love out of poetry and to find my wife in Shakespeare's plays? Mm -hmm. Lips that Shakespeare taught to speak have whispered their secret in my ear. I have had the arms of Rosalind around me and kissed Juliet on the mouth. Yes, Dorian, I suppose you were right, said Hallward slowly. Have you seen her today? asked Lord Henry. Dorian Gray shook his head. I left her in the forest of Arden. I shall find her in an orchard at Verona. Yeah, this is. If people really talk like this, I'd probably just go nuts. Lord Henry sipped his champagne in a meditative manner. At what particular point did you mention the word marriage, Dorian? And what did she say in answer? Perhaps you forgot all about it. Oh, my dear Henry, I did not treat it as a business transaction, and I did not make any formal proposal. I told her that I loved her. And she said that she was not worthy to be my wife. Not worthy? Why, the whole world is nothing to me compared to her. Women are wonderfully practical, murmured Lord Henry. Much more practical than we are. In situations of that kind, we often forget to say anything about marriage. And they always remind us. Hallward laid his hand upon his arm. Don't, Harry. You have annoyed Dorian. He is not like other men. He would never bring misery upon anyone. His nature is too fine for that. Lord Henry looked across the table. Dorian is never annoyed with me, he answered. I asked the question for the best possible reason, for the, the only reason, indeed, that excuses one for asking any question. Simple curiosity. I have a theory that it is always the women who propose to us, and not we who propose to the women. Except, of course, in middle-class life, when then the middle classes are not modern. Dorian Gray laughed and tossed his head. You are quite incorrigible, Harry, but I don't mind. It is impossible to be angry with you. When you see Sybil Vane, you will feel that the man who could wrong her would be a beast. A beast without a heart. I cannot understand how anyone can wish to shame the thing he loves. I love Sybil Vane. I want to place her on a pedestal of gold and to see the world worship the woman who is mine. What is marriage? An irrevocable vow. You mock at it for that. I, I don't mock. It is an irrevocable vow that I want to take. Her trust makes me faithful. Her belief makes me good. When I'm with her, I regret all that you have taught me. I become different from what you have known to me to be. I am changed, and the mere touch of Sylvain's hand makes me forget you and all your wrong, fascinating, poisonous, delightful theories. And those are, asked Lord Henry, helping himself to some salad. Oh, your theories about life, your theories about love, your theories about pleasure. Ah, your theories, in fact, Harry. Pleasure is the only thing worth having a theory about, he answered in his slow, melodious voice. But I am afraid I cannot claim my theory as my own. It belongs to nature, mm, not to me. 
Pleasure is nature's test, her sign of approval. When we are happy, we are always good. And when we are good, we are not always happy. Ah, but what do you mean by good, cried Basil Hallward. Yes, echoed Dorian, leaning back in his chair, looking at Lord Henry over the heavy clusters of purple-lipped irises that stood in the center of the table. What do you mean by good, Harry? To be good is to be in harmony with oneself, he replied, touching the thin stem of the glass with his pale, fine-pointed fingers. Discord is to be forced into harmony with others. One's own life, that is the important thing. As for the lives of one's neighbors, if one wishes to be a prig or a puritan, one can flaunt one's moral views about them. But they are not one's concern. Besides, individualism has really the higher aim. Modern morality consists in accepting the standards of one's age. I consider that for any man of culture to accept the standard of his age is a form of grossest immorality. But surely, if one lives merely for oneself, Harry, one pays a terrible price for doing so, suggested the painter. Yes, we are overcharged for everything nowadays. I should fancy that the real tragedy of the poor is that they can afford nothing but self-denial. Beautiful sins, like beautiful things, are the privilege of the rich. One has to pay in other ways, but money... Eh, eh, what sort of ways, Basil? Oh, I should fancy in remorse, in suffering, in, well, the consciousness of degradation. Lord Henry shrugged his shoulders. My dear fellow, medieval art is charming, but medieval emotions are out of date. One can use them in fiction, of course, but then the only things one can use in fiction are the things that one has ceased to use in fact. Believe me, no civilized man ever regrets a pleasure, and no civilized man ever knows what a pleasure is. I know what pleasure is, cried Dorian Gray. It is to adore someone. That is certainly better than being adored, he answered, toying with some fruits. Being adored is a nuisance. Women treat us just as humanity treats its gods. They worship us and are always bothering us to do something for them. Oh, my God. I should have said that whatever they ask uh, for, they have first given to us, murmured the lad gravely. They create love in our natures. They have a right to demand it back. That is quite true, Dorian, cried Hallward. Nothing is ever quite true, said Lord Henry, well, except for the stuff he says. This is, interrupted Dorian, you must admit it, Harry, that women give to men the very gold of their lives. Eh, possibly, he sighed. But they invariably want it back in such a very small change. That is the worry. Women, as some witty Frenchman once put it, inspire us with the desire to do masterpieces and always prevent us from carrying them out. Harry, you're dreadful. I don't know why I like you so much. You'll always like me, Dorian, he replied. Will you have some coffee, you fellows? Waiter, bring coffee and fine champagne and some cigarettes. No, don't mind the cigarettes. I have some. Basil, I can't allow you to smoke cigars. Uh, you must have a cigarette. A cigarette is the perfect type of perfect pleasure. It's exquisite, and it leaves one unsatisfied. Uh, what more can one want? Yes, Dorian, you will... Always be fond of me. I represent to you all the sins you have never had the courage to commit. Ah, oh, what nonsense you talk, Harry, cried the lad, taking a light from a fire-breathing silver dragon <laughs> that the waiter had placed on the table. Let us go down to the theater. 
Uh, when Sybil comes on stage, you will have a new ideal of life. She will represent something to you you have never known. I've never known everything, said Lord Henry, with a tired look in his eyes. But I am always ready for a new emotion. I am afraid, however, that for me, at any rate, there is no such thing. Still, your wonderful girl may thrill me. I love acting. It is so much more real than life. Let us go, Dorian, and you will come with me. I am so sorry, Basil, but there is only room for two in the Broham. You must follow us in a hansom. They got up and put on their coats. Sipping their coffee, standing, the painter was silent and preoccupied. There was a gloom over him. He could not bear his marriage, and yet it seemed to him to be better than many other things that might have happened. After a few minutes, they all passed downstairs. He drove off by himself as he had been arranged and watched the flashing lights of a little broham in front of him. A strange sense of loss came over him. He felt that Dorian Gray would never again be to him all that he had been in the past. Life had come between them. His eyes darkened, and the crowded, flaring streets became blurred to his eyes. When the cab drew up at the theater, it seemed to him that he had grown years older. Well, what did we learn here today? Uh, Dorian's just real, real in love. And he's getting annoyed at Harry. Uh, him... And Basil and Harry all have lunch together, and they uh, smoke cigarettes. And Lord Harry instructs Dorian to smoke cigarettes, because cigars are too much for him. And back to his hedonism thing, cigarettes are perfect, because they satisfy you without actually satisfying you, and put you in a perpetual state of wanting more satisfaction. I get it. He talks for a long, long time about his beliefs. Uh, and like I said in the story, it's every single time he shows up in a scene, he talks at length about himself, his observations about other people, how people should be more selfish. Uh, it's getting annoying. One thing I do like is that most of the story happens in conversations uh, going back. So you don't have a scene where he proposes to uh, to the woman. He, uh, Sybil, forgot her name. Uh, instead, you hear about his proposal through conversation afterwards, and that's how most of this goes. So that's kind of interesting. I like that. That's a nice little twist in uh, how you tell a story. But otherwise, uh, it's taken a while to finally go meet this woman. But that'll happen in Chapter 7, which you should tune into next time. Uh, like and subscribe. <laughs>